Good morning. I think that'll make sense to you in a little bit. <laughs> we know it's not Halloween. <laughs> weeks ago, I started a project in my yard, uh, and I had to move a huge amount of rocks, and they were just embedded in the dirt. And so I took a rake, and I raked, and I raked, and I raked for about five hours. Now, chiropractors will tell you when people rake in the fall, that's when they get the most business. <laughs> when you do one motion like that for five hours, your muscles are going to tighten up, and uh, when your muscles tighten up, it can really mess up your spine and pull it out of alignment, and then you can get a painful pinched nerve. And I really, what I really needed was a massage and, uh, and a chiropractic adjustment. You know, when they, when they take you like this, and then... And then they take your nose and your ears. These carrots are really good. <laughs> wow, I got to keep chewing it now. As a church, we've been doing a lot of the same motions for many years. Some of our spiritual muscles are tight and overworked. Some of our alignment, our structure, has been pulled out of alignment. Just like a body has a structure, a spine, that the body, the flesh, builds on. Wow. <laughs> See? That is my point. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a little worried though I'm preaching and it's the jawbone that just fell off. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Unbelievable. <laughs> If, this, if the structure of our church is out of a line, it's going to hurt the whole body. But the great physician has a prescription for our health. There's some therapy, there's some adjustments that we can make. And for the next five weeks, we're going to look at some adjustments that we can consider making as a church body. So we're going to do that over the next five weeks, and I get to preach five times in a row for the first time in my life. <laughs> All right. These are going to be some adjustments that will be challenged as individuals as well as as a church. So let's just take a moment to, to pray and prepare our hearts. Lord, when, uh, when a person goes in to see the chiropractor, they 
A lot of times we'll get that vibration device to loosen them up and lay on a table that gives them a massage or whatever. And we pray that this time of prayer right now will just loosen up our spirit, open up our heart and our mind to you. Lord, prepare us now to see what your prescription is for some issues in our church. Lord, prepare us for some adjustment. Change is difficult, Lord. But we pray that you would prepare our hearts to hear what you have for us this morning. That's our prayer through Jesus. Amen. All right. Well, today we're looking at our skeletal system and the very structure that the body of Christ is fleshed out on. Paul lays out in Ephesians what a healthy structure is supposed to look like. So let's take a look at Ephesians. If you have your own Bible, that'd be great. Turn to chapter 4, or you can just follow along. We're looking at Ephesians chapter 4. First, we're going to read verses 4 through 7. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. But to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. Now verse 7 starts out with the word but. And when you hear the word but, you have to look behind you. You know, <laughs> you have to look back. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> Look behind you in the text that you just read and see what's he referring to when he uses this word but. And when we look at verses 4 through 6, we see God is talking about the oneness of the body, the unity. So we're one, we're together, we're united, but to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. So we're different. There's unity but diversity. We're one body, but each of us has different gifts, different abilities as, as Christ apportions them. So let's go on and skip ahead to verse 11. It was he who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, and some to be pastors and teachers, to prepare God's people for works of service, so that the body of Christ may be built up, until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. So in other words, we all are gifted differently, representing different parts of the body, and this is necessary for us, verse 13, to reach unity and to become mature. Let's forge ahead, verse 14 through 16. Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of men in their deceitful, deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will in all things grow up into him who is the head, that is, Christ. From him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. Okay, I'm going to ask you for a second to reach out to people on either side of you and take a hold of their hand. And now let's read verse 16 
out loud together. Let's read it. From him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. Isn't this just a beautiful... You can let go now. <laughs> what a beautiful picture of what the church is. United, each part doing its work, supporting one another. It's a beautiful thing. That's what the body of Christ is all about. However, First Church, we have a problem. <laughs> it's a skeletal problem. Our structure is somewhat out of alignment. And our prescription for adjusting this misalignment is written right here in Ephesians 4. We just read it. Let's look at verse 11 again. Would you read this out loud with me? Verse 11. It was he who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, and some to be pastors and teachers. Let's stop right there. Now, how many of you have read that before? How many of you have been uncomfortable with that verse? Anybody? Am I the only one? I've read that before and thought, where's, where's all those people that are mentioned there? I mean, what do we call a leader in the church here? Pastor, okay? People call me Pastor Spitters. Sometimes they just call me Chris. Sometimes they call me other things that I don't want to mention. One time, um, and this is when I was in my 20s, I did a wedding, and this old man with a cane, I think he was about 90, walked up to me and said, Father, <laughs> it was the strangest thing. <laughs> but wouldn't it be strange if I was introduced this morning as prophet spitters? Where are the prophets? Where are the apostles, the evangelists? Now, pastors and teachers were comfortable with that. We validate that. Where are the prophets and apostles and evangelists in our leadership? This is something that I'm really concerned about, and I think that we need to take a strong look at Ephesians 4, because this is the structure that God lays out for us, a structure for leadership. What is the function of an apostle? What is the function today of a prophet? What was it back then in the New Testament church? I've struggled with this. This has been a real challenge. And honestly, I'm still not totally clear on, on these. But I've learned a lot in the past few weeks, few months really. And here's what I'll share with you so far, what I can make about these five functions of church leadership. So let's look at them together. Apostle. An apostle is a spark for new ministries to reach unreached people. Someone recently told me of their passion to see us reach migrant workers. I have to wonder if that person has the heart of an apostle. Could be. Another person told me of her desire to see us begin a new Just for Joy in Benton Harbor. Could that be an apostolic function? Spark a desire for new ministries to reach people in our community. 
and around the world. Uh, sometimes an apostle becomes a missionary overseas. But the church also needs local apostles, persons with a passion to start new ministries to reach people right here in our community. Okay, I hope that helps you understand a little bit about the role of the apostle. But let's look at prophet. We usually think of a prophet only as someone who predicts the future. Although that can be part of the function of a prophet, their main purpose is to sense where God is wanting to lead his people. And then to communicate to the body where God is wanting to lead them. A prophet is hungry for God's word because that is the primary way that God speaks and gives guidance. I have had people approach me at times and say, I feel like I have a word from God for you. And I take that seriously. And I, and I believe there are people in our congregation who truly are listening for the voice of God and the Lord speaks to them in, the, in their spirit, in prayer, and most importantly, through the word as they dig into God's word and he draws out a meaning for them. This is what we mean by a prophetic function. The evangelist, we're somewhat familiar with this term, but our, our feeling about evangelists is probably somewhat negative because of some of the TV evangelists that we've seen that really some of them do more harm than good for the kingdom. But uh, Billy Graham would be an example of, uh, of a wonderful evangelist who has brought thousands of people to Christ. Um, but an evangelist is not just someone who speaks to multitudes. And an evangelist can be someone who, who reaches out to people right here in our community. Um, a, a friend of mine, his name is Don. He is an evangelist. And I've had breakfast with him before and, and he started sharing with the waitress and, and it was wonderful to see. His, his heart is just, he's reaching out always for, for opportunities to share with Christ. That's the heart of an evangelist. That's the function of evangelist. Pastor, we're familiar with that. Uh, someone who shepherds the flock, leads, nurtures, protects, cares. A true pastor receives great joy from helping a small group to love one another and care for each other. And uh, he's, he's like a shepherd caring for the flock. A teacher has a special gift to communicate truth in a way that bears fruit. Uh, the teaching function can be accomplished through preaching, through um, Bible study, through one-on-one -on -one mentoring. Um, many different ways that a teacher uh, can accomplish what God calls them to do, but I'm sure you all can probably bring to mind someone who has had a big effect on you in your life who had the gift of teaching. So, I want you to think for a moment. What would happen if a church had only evangelistic leaders? No pastors, no teachers, just evangelistic leaders. What would that church look like? What would that church be lacking? What would they be challenged with? What if a church had only evangelistic leaders? Can you see how that the body would be out of alignment? What would happen if a church had only apostles in leadership? These are people who are always like, let's start something new. 
Let's go out and do this new thing, this new thing. No pastors to care for the people. So you see how God designed a five, five functions for the leaders. Now what would happen if a church had only teachers and pastors? You really don't have to wonder because that's who we are. We are a church whose leadership structure is totally pastor-teacher. In fact, a couple of months ago, our staff got together. This is the full-time and part-time staff. And we looked at these five functions. And we looked at ourselves and we evaluated who we are as leaders. And guess what we discovered? Of the ten people that are paid staff at our church, not one apostle, not one evangelist, a couple of people with some prophetic tendencies, but every one of us solidly in the pastor-teacher function. What do you think about that? What kind of a church has only pastors and teachers? What is that church going to be lacking if they don't have leadership structure? It's like having a body that only has two parts to, to support the body. There's a whole three-fifths of our body that's not being supported. It doesn't have the structure that God designed for it to have. We're not alone in this. Most mainline churches in our country are basically pastor-teacher-led churches. I wonder why that is. Could it be that most churches in America are most concerned about taking care of their own rather than reaching out to the lost in their community? It's just, just something to wonder about. Something to wonder about. Because, see, a pastor and a teacher, they're going to take care of the flock. They're going to teach and nurture and make sure everyone is taken care of in the church. But these other roles, the ones that we are lacking right now, they are the ones that are going to lead us to reach out into the community, to evangelize and take the gospel to people that have never heard, to do new ministries to, in new places. So this is a big adjustment that we need to consider as a church. Let's look at verse 11 once again and 12. Because adjusting our leadership structure is only part of God's prescription. That's only verse 11. Let's look at verse 12 and see what that says. Let's read it together. It was he who gave some to be apostles some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, and some to be pastors and teachers to prepare God's people for works of service. Why? Why did God give five functions? To prepare God's people for works of service. The leaders in the church are here to equip all of us, God's people. The ministry is accomplished as all of us are 
do our part in the body. So what is your part? I don't know. What has God given you a passion for? What is God calling you to do? The five functions are not just for leadership. The five functions are for all of us. And if we really look at ourselves and prayerfully consider this, we'll probably find that we fall into one of those five tendencies ourselves. Remember in verse 7 it said, But to each one of us grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. To each one of us, not just pastors, not just paid staff. To each one of us, God has given. God has placed in you a yearning and a gifting and a passion. So what do you see inside yourself? How do you envision yourself functioning in the church? Is it clear to you right now? And if it's not, it's time to prayerfully consider and seek God's direction and discover your place of ministry. Because service is not an option. Service is not an option. Okay? God made some to be leaders to equip or prepare God's people. Not to prepare some of God's people. Not to prepare 20% of God's people. Not to prepare God's people who are not too busy. But to prepare God's people for works of service. Service is not an option. Let's say that together. Service is not an option. So how many pastors do we have here at First Church? Some would say we have five. We used to have a lot more. <laughs> Some would say five. But I think they would be wrong. We really have 200. If we have 1,000 people, we should have about 200 pastors, 200 teachers, 200 evangelists, 200 apostles, 200 prophets. Look at this diagram once and, and you can kind of see what I'm getting at. Um, our staff, first of all, we need to have a balanced staff where all five functions are represented. And then we as a church body need to find our place, what God is calling us, what, what our tendencies are, and allow the leaders in the church to equip us and help prepare us to do the works of service. So that's what I mean by 200 pastors. <laughs> we need a full-time apostle on our staff, not to start new ministries by yourself, but to lead and equip you apostle-type people to be missionaries and spark new ministries. We need an evangelist on staff here, not just to personally share the gospel, but to equip you to lead others to Christ all over this community. Many of us need to shift how we view our staff. They are not here to provide a service for us, as if we were consumers. Staff are here to prepare God's people for works of service. Let me talk about Bob Comfort for a moment. He's a pastor that has a true pastor's heart. 
He loves to take care and nurture people. It's not Bob Confer's job to visit you in the hospital. Now many of us have grown up in the church thinking it's Bob Confer's job to visit me in the hospital. It's Bob Confer's job to prepare God's people who have a pastoral heart to visit you in the hospital. That's a real shift in thinking. Okay? And Bob loves to visit people in the hospital. But Bob, as a leader called to this church, needs to equip 200 pastors. And right now, he's actually pulling together a, a new team of, you saw what the Stevens ministry do, does, but he's also pulling together another team to care for the needy and the elderly and shut-ins. And um, if you're interested, if you have a, pastor's, a pastoral heart, Talk to Bob about that. He would love to have you jump in on that with him. But if you have a passion to teach, it's time to step up and uh, teach a Bible study or teach in your small group or find someone to mentor. Uh, if you have an apostolic heart, it's time to start a new ministry. Let's not just talk about, uh, about starting a ministry to migrant workers. Let's make it happen. Um, we need to really seek God and, and understand where, what he wants each of us to be doing. Some of you have had the heart of an evangelist and you've been frustrated because we don't have leadership on staff with, that, ha, that has that function and so you've maybe felt unvalidated yourself. We need to take care of that problem. We need to have evangelists on staff. Uh, but don't let that stop you. Continue to do what you feel God is, is prompting you to do. God has been raising up leaders here among us um, and filling key roles in the church family. And it's not just full-time staff. Um, there's part-time staff and, and there's volunteers that have really stepped up. And, and it just shows that's what God is after and that we're moving in the right direction. We just need to keep moving that way. So here's what I envision happening. I envision that we, uh, that we fill our paid staff positions with apostles and prophets and evangelists. I envision that those leaders that we bring on staff, is it an accident that we're about half staff right now? Could it be that God is kind of working in us at this time in the church right now? When, as we bring new staff on, we need to fill those roles so that all five of these functions are I have leadership on our staff. And then those staff begin to equip all of us to do God's work. And we, as the body, identify what God is calling us to do. And we get help from staff to encourage us and in our work. And then what will happen? Look at verse 12. When this is happening, when we're following God's prescription, the body of Christ will be built up. Unfortunately, the opposite could happen. We could choose not to allow apostles and prophets, evangelists on staff. And then they would not be there to equip us. And we could choose not to identify what God wants to do in us and what our function is. And then we would not be about doing God's work. And then the body would not be built up. And we would be, like verse 14 says, 
infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of men and their deceitful scheming. But I believe in this church and I believe we will respond to God's prescription. And so instead, speaking the truth in love, we will in all things grow up into him who is the head, that is Christ. Jesus is the head and we are his body. Jesus is the brains. The body gets their working orders from the brains. And we need to just so listen. We need to listen to Jesus and listen to what he's saying to each of us. What are the brains, what kind of orders are you getting from the brains right now? Now, the preacher isn't the head. The new senior pastor that we'll get someday <laughs> is not the head. Jesus is the head. Jesus is the head. So let's just take some quiet moments right now. And take time to listen to the brain. Listen to Jesus. What is he saying? What is he saying to you? You can find uh, in your bulletin there, um, there's a response sheet. And I would love to hear back from you. And I'd love it if you'd put your name on there too. I would love to hear back from you what Jesus is saying to you. How, how are you responding to God's prescription? And if you would, please, open up your heart to him right now and listen and write your thoughts, write your responses. And later you can give that to an usher on your way out after the service. I would love to hear back from you what God is saying to you in your heart. Lord, in these next few moments of quiet, we do, uh, we open up our mind, our heart, our soul to you. You are the leader of this church. You are the head. Speak to us. Lord, we want to hear from you and we want to respond to what you have for us. In Jesus' name we pray that. Amen.